as I uh, go to the Word of this morning, uh, I'm going to have some help with me. And uh, the Lord operates in many different ways. As we hear the Word, we're also given opportunity to respond to the Word. And so um, I've asked Amanda uh, to help us this morning worship the Lord artistically. And so she's going to be operating on this side while I operate to bring the Word. So um, just let her do her thing. You can concentrate on what she's doing, although she'd probably rather you concentrate on me. Uh, But this morning, uh, we're going to go to the Word, and she's going to depict for us on on the canvas uh, what the Word is talking about. But let's, as we begin, uh, start with a word of prayer. Father, uh, we're just grateful that we could hear your Word at all. Uh, As the Israelites stood in the wilderness, they, they heard your voice, and it was so immense and so powerful and so holy, they felt like they were going to die. And yet you've given us ears to hear and the opportunity to hear your good news and to live not just in this life, but to live for eternity as we live in faith. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that your word would cause us to believe, Lord, that we'd be drawn ever more towards Jesus, ever more in love with you. And so, Lord, teach us this morning by your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, please turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. It's hard to believe we've gone through 19 chapters. I had somebody, a parent, uh, come up to me at VBS, a parent who doesn't go to this church, and said, uh, I've been listening to the Revelation sermons online. I said, well, how far are you? She says, I'm in, into the sermons from March. And, and I said, March? We were, we were doing it in March? She says, yeah, but you started in November. We've been doing Revelation since last November, and it may just be that we will get all the way to this November. It's taken us almost a year to get to Revelation, and I'm not disappointed in that one bit because this has been a good book for us, reminding us of what's to come, who Jesus is, and all that he's done to make things right. And so as we come to chapter 19 of Revelation, I just got to tell you, this is one of my favorite chapters, both the front end and the back end. We'll hit the second part uh, next week, but... Man, this is a good chapter. This is a good chapter because after we just got done with Revelation 17, which dealt with uh, the great prostitute, which is the fake church and everybody who would try to somehow emulate Jesusness but have nothing to do with the gospel. Then we went on last week to chapter 18 where it deals with Babylon, the whole system of the world that is against Jesus, led by Satan and embodied by his both Antichrist and everybody who's participating in the world and how those two chapters were really tough. Because we are either struggling asking the Lord, am I actually part of your church? Am I in adultery against you and just living a fake religious life? Or the other end last week was, maybe I am in the faith, but I am just loving the world and all the stuff. And for some of you, you've come to me after the last two uh, chapters and said, that's really hard. Some have been almost angry with me saying like how you know you don't even know what to do with your emotion and so that's why we get from 17 to 18 and we head on into 19 and i am glad because 19 is a great chapter for the people of the lord so join with me as we enter into 19 to see this good chapter because this is the finale this is what happens it says in in verse one after this i again this is john the apostle writing he's been given a vision here of jesus and and a revelation of him. And so it says, After this, I, John, heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality 
and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more, they cried out, Alleluia! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And so John sees yet again another multitude in heaven. This is a large crowd. We don't know exactly if they're believers who are there or just all the hosts of heaven who are gathering their voices and saying, Hallelujah! Now, this word harkens back to the praises that came out of the Old Testament. There was a Hebrew word, which means praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. And it's not just praise the Lord. The word that's being used in the Hebrew is a very strong command, the strongest command you could give. And so it's as if somebody's just saying, you have got to just praise the Lord. This is the moment to just lift up your voice. Don't hold anything back, because if there is somebody who is worthy of praise, it's him. Now, let me tell you what praise is all about. Praise, when you give somebody praise, you are praising who they are. You're praising their character and their being. And so, for instance, my dog, okay? My dog, I could say, she's to be praised because she's always joyous. That's just who she is. It's part of her character. There's not a time when I come and I'm in interaction with my dog that she's not somehow joyous. That's just who she is. And so we praise God because it said he's salvation and he is glory and he's power and he's true and he's just. We praise him because that's just who he is. But the additional thing to that is once you praise God for who he is, we also see him take out that character into action. That not only is his character about salvation, but then he's gone about the work of going to save people. And not only is he full of glory, but then he goes about the business of showing his glory to people and giving his glory to be shared with people. And not only is he powerful in who he is and praiseworthy of that, but then he also shows his power like the other night after vacation Bible school went out and there was a full, beautiful moon sitting out there in the sky. And I looked up and there was a a cloud right next to it that had just that sweet silver lining next to it. And then, boom, out of that cloud came a lightning bolt and it went across the face of the moon. And I was just like, whoa, praise the Lord. He is powerful, not only just in who he is, but he displays it and he acts upon that so that the same God who sends a lightning bolt across the face of the moon is the same God who's dealing with your illnesses. He's the same God who's dealing with your feelings. He's the same God who powerfully has overcome your sin and will resurrect you to life. Not only is he powerful in character, he's powerful in his activity. And so we praise him for his character, but we thank him because he acts according to that character. And that has been so, so good to us. It says as a result of him being just and true and powerful and glorious, full salvation, that he has come and laid judgment upon the great prostitute and upon those, upon the whole world who have participated in the immorality. So God has brought his just judgment and the whole multitude of heaven says, praise the Lord, finally, it's all over. It's all done. He has taken care of business Praise the Lord. It goes on and says in verse four, the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, amen, alleluia. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you, his servants, you who fear him, small and great. And so 
we have this big multitude, but then there's almost a more narrow scope where it says it goes right into the throne room. Anytime you see those 24 elders and the four living creatures, that's the description right around God's throne. And they come in there and the, the praises just continue and they encourage people by saying, amen, we have seen everything. And that what you say is true. He is absolutely worthy to be praised and thanked. It is true. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise him. And then it goes on to say, and so give the Lord praise, all you who fear the Lord, both great and small. If you fear the Lord, he is worthy of your praise. Everybody should be praising him. And to fear him is to notice this, that all those things that we just said that we should praise him for, that is God and it is not us. It comes to a point in the fear of the Lord of recognizing that he is the creator and we are the creature. He is infinite and we are finite. He is eternal and we are not, except by God give those things to us where we will be eternal because he saved us. But that is where we understand that he is God and we are not, and we fear him as a result. He is holy and set apart and good and just and true and perfect. And so even those around the throne room say, hey, look, we have seen everything. Praise him. If you find yourself with a lot of power and you're great and you're strong and you're financially set, you still have to praise him. And if you find yourself as somebody who doesn't have a lot, you're destitute, you're poor, but you love the Lord, you fear him, praise him. Everybody should be praising the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so that's kind of the, the finale of God has brought this now to an end. And now we're just going to kind of shuttle into what happens next into verse 6. It says this. I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And so things transition because as this world comes to a close, the scripture says that we are now being prepared as the bride of Christ to get married. This is the, the, the wedding bells going off. It is time for the marriage ceremony. And so it says, praise the Lord, because God has done all this to now bring his bride to himself. It is time for you to be married. This is what you have been waiting for. And in fact, it's what Jesus has been waiting for and been doing in all of his goodness to prepare for. So consider this. When Adam and Eve sinned, and then when all of humanity sin, and when you sin, and when I sin, we have been a completely unfaithful, rebellious, wicked humanity against Jesus. But yet ever since the beginning, God, by his love and his foreknowledge and his everything that is him, he has struck out in action to pursue you and to woo you and to save you. And so he's been revealing over throughout time, whether it be the lightning in the sky or the healing of your body or just the closeness you feel to him as you walk down the road. But he couldn't just come and say, I recognize you're a sinner. Let me keep walking with you. You know that as a bride begins to get ready for her wedding day, she's got to get ready. A bride comes to that day not just wearing normal clothes. There is 
There is something that is going on to prepare her. And so as a bride gets ready for her wedding day, I know brides do this all the time. They go shopping, right? The brides go shopping. And in particular, there's one item that the bride gets ready in, and that is they're, they're, they're shopping for a dress. Now, in, in wedding ritual ceremony, the bride brings a white dress, right? Why white? Because it signifies purity. So here we have a problem. We have humanity, which has been completely wicked and dirty and sinful, and yet this bride that is to be putting on pure vestments because they've been set apart and holy. How do you get from being dirty to being pure and ready for your wedding? And that was what God was doing all through history because when people could not clean themselves, Jesus came, took on flesh, lived a sinless life, and then died in our place. The scripture says that he became our sin so that we could get his righteousness. We could get his cleanliness. We could be holy. We were made clean the day we called upon Jesus to forgive us of our sins. So that day when you came to faith or when you come to faith, You will be, you are forgiven, you are set free. And now for forever, you are going about the business putting on the dress of the bride. It said here that it was granted to the bride of Jesus to be dressing in fine linen, pure, clean, and white. And what were those things? It was the deeds of the righteous. When you go about and live for Jesus, that's you putting on your garments. That's you getting ready for the wedding. Now, what that may stir in us is the immediate moment to go and do a whole bunch of things for Jesus. Just do, 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 whatever. But the reality is the doing is this, the living in Jesus. Certainly we're called into action, but whatever Jesus is calling us into. Jesus is now living in and through us. And what we see is that purity isn't our purity that we're bringing to the table. It's not our garment that we're putting on. It is Jesus that we are putting on. When you go and try to live for the Lord, it's actually him working through you. It's like if you have little small children. No. okay. well, let me tell you how it works with small children. Um, Children, once in a while, they'll see you doing a work, right? I'll be need to sweep the floors and I'll be sweeping and the kids will think that's that's pretty neat. You know, look how that dust. Can I help? Say, sure. Would you would you help me sweep the floor? And so the child goes and when they're very young, they take this broom. And how does that usually work out when the child first starts brooming and sweeping? Yeah, all that dust that you had in a pile ended up everywhere else again, didn't it? And that child was helping when they're first learning you've kind of got that broom at the top, don't you? And you're teaching them and you're scooping because the work of the child is still actually being done by the adult that's on top of that broom. That is the way that you work and operate in the Lord. You say, Lord, how can I be of use to you? How can I sweep in this life? How can I go about the business of the kingdom? And as he puts you into work, you think you're doing it, but he's still got the top of that broom. He's the one who's leading you and showing you and getting the work done. It's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. And so as we are putting on these things, he is still preparing us. Now imagine that you were a groom and here comes your bride. And on the way there, everything that she has done really gives her no justification to put on a white 
wedding garment. At every turn, she has been betraying you, cheating on you, whoring after everybody else. How's that work? You ever wonder, when I get there that day, will Jesus want me? When I get there that day, will I be too dirty? Will I have done enough? Let me tell you, that is not up to you. That is a false mentality. We have let the world kind of and the, our own works kind of cloud what Jesus expects on that day. There was a man who had uh, put into the classified ads. He put out an ad that said, um, wife wanted. And by the next day, he had hundreds of replies. And it was from all these men saying, you can have my wife. <laughs> these men had been with their wives, and you knew all the jokes, and they had said, whatever's gone on, I don't want her anymore. You ever feel like that will happen when you get in there with Jesus, and he says, actually, I don't want somebody else take Jason and the rest of the bride. For I don't want them. That's not going to happen. You know why? Because when Jesus saved you and made you clean, and all this time when he's working through you, you are being dressed in the pure garments, not of you and your works, but in the work of Jesus Christ alone. And so the work saved you that day when you called him in his name, and still when you operate in Jesus, it's his righteousness, it's his holiness, it's him dressing you and making you the bride that he wants you to be. He died to make you blameless. He died to make you pure. So on that day, when you think, am I good enough? Let me tell you why you're good enough. Because Jesus is in you and he's good enough. He's good enough. You will be prepared as that bride because Jesus Christ himself is good enough. It says in verse 9, The angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who were invited to the marriage supper. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So that's pretty good. Man, blessed is anybody who comes to the, the wedding supper. This is the true word of God. Well, John is so overwhelmed with this message in the side of the wedding supper and all that God has been displayed in his power and his glory and his actions. It says in verse 10, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. Now, who's he standing with? The angel. That is a big problem says he fell down at the angel's feet and began to worship him. It says, but he, the angel, said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Sometimes God is so good in your life and sometimes he reveals to you such amazing things. That almost in like a, what do I do now? You end up worshiping, not God. And so let me show you how this happens in the world. People will go out and they will see a magnificent moonrise, sunrise, mountain, whatever. And instead of going and worshiping the creator, it's like, I got to have that. Let me worship that. John, when seeing this holy moment, is with a, an angel that's holy. He's dressed also in the glory of God. He's He's got the power of God that he's using. He's got the message of God. But instead of worshiping God, John, in this moment, who was with Jesus, Jesus' best friend, turns and worships the angel. We should never, ever, ever, ever do that. And I know it's easy to blame the people in this room who have angel collections. I've seen them. 
Some of them are in your front yard. You've got angels all over the place. And whether you worship angels or not, it may just be a collection. I'm not going to blame you. The fact is that we often take and rob the holiness and the goodness of God in one thing that is good, but we end up worshiping something that's not intended to be worshipped. Let me give you the best illustration I know of. Most Christians who have been saved by Jesus, love Jesus, and are in a great church, worship their church. They worship their church. You may actually worship unity. There are a lot of places where a pastor has been instrumental in people's life. Maybe he's a great teacher, maybe he's on the radio, and there's more worship happening of the preacher than Jesus. So this happens all over the place. We do it with our Christian rock bands. We do it with anything. God may have used that person in your life, and then suddenly we turn the attention off of Jesus, and we're so enraptured with that person. It may be a spouse. But Jesus is the only one who deserves worship. And the angel says, hey, 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 no, 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 no. You're going to get us both in trouble. John, I'm just a servant like you. There's only one who's set apart. There's only one to be feared. His name is Jesus. So get up, John. Get up, because everything that's happening here, he says, the prophecy, spirit of prophecy, it's all about Jesus. It's all about talking about him. Everything that's going on in the church when we talk about the Word of God, it's all about Jesus. Everything that's going on in VBS has to be about Jesus. What's going to go on in the kids' thing throughout the year, it's got to be about Jesus. What happens through the choir has to be about Jesus. What Amanda's doing here while she paints has to be about Jesus. What's going on this morning in this one hour has to be about Jesus because if we worship any other part of it, we're in idolatry. And we should say, no, don't do that. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And in keeping our eyes on him again, that's putting on those clean clothes of Jesus. And that day is coming. And the angel was given to show this vision throughout. And John receives this vision and he continues to write it down. And we're blessed for reading it, the scripture says. But what you're holding in your hands and what you're viewing as you read this is the wedding invitation. It shares the whole history of what God's done in this whole timeline of history to save you and to save me that together we might be the bride of Jesus. And one day, when all this craziness that's going on is done, and He has taken out of Babylon a remnant for Himself that He has paid for with His blood, and He washes us clean. And He puts on our clean garments for our wedding. And then that one day is going to come. And the wedding invitation says that day is coming soon. So church, get ready. And get excited. And give Him glory. And this chapter over and over said, say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. As this comes to an end, I just that picture of what's to come is so overwhelming. It's so good. That a God that's so holy look upon a people that would be so sinful for all that He's done to rescue us, save us, prepare us, and then that He will marry to us in relationship. He's going to tie Himself together with the bride of Christ. 
but we will live with him for forever. That day is coming. We've got the engagement ring on our finger. We're just waiting for the day when our groom says, I do. At the end of a wedding ceremony, the pastor says to the bride and the groom, says to the groom, you may now kiss your bride. The bride usually kisses him back. In the scripture, the word that's used for worship is to kiss towards. That day we will kiss towards, we will, we will worship Jesus. We will worship Him and we get to start now. Let's blow Him some kisses a little bit, not in some weird boyfriend way, but He deserves our praises. He really does. I want to close today with a song a friend sent to me a couple years ago. I want to play it and show the words on the screen. And uh, man, just every time I hear this song, it just reminds me of the whole story and what it's all about and what's going to happen that day. And man, it gets me fired up. I mean, I about lose it. I mean, I, my eyes might be bawling by the end. Somebody else might need to finish this thing out. I don't know. But there's times when I listen to it when I'm on my jogging run. And it, it does something where it reminds me of who Jesus says. It says, I want to run for him today. I don't want to run for myself. I want to run for him right now. And then I go back and I'm with my kids and I say, I don't want to just parent so I don't have kids that are uh, naughty. I want, I want to parent for Jesus now. It just reminds us of what this is all about. And so I'd love for you just to take a moment to listen to the song, see the words, and this is going to be your moment. That if the Lord would call you to come and pray here at the front, come pray. If the Lord would have you to pause in your seat and just say, Lord, I am not deserving. Please forgive me. Then pray that right where you're at. If the Lord would remind you that your life is not all about Him, then take a moment to say, Lord, Take those parts that aren't about you and cleanse me. Prepare me for that day when we together will be wedded to Jesus. But take a moment and just ponder the words of this song. Come and pray. Thank you for listening to the Everything Jesus podcast from Unity Church, located in Four Oaks, North Carolina. We pray as a result you are drawn closer to Jesus through his word. The final song played during the sermon was Holy Wedding Day by the band City Harmonic. Due to copyright law, we are unable to include the final song from the sermon in this podcast. However, on our website, we have provided links to the song in this sermon's podcast notes. The album art is a photograph of the piece painted during the sermon by the talented Miss Amanda Hall. It is also available to view on this sermon's webpage.